Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast, your association's no-fluff playbook to navigating and thriving in Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Each week, we bring expert insights to help you and your association stay ahead of the curve. Hello, my name is Sherry Budziak, and I'm the host of the Association 4.0 podcast. I'm also the founder of .org Community and the CEO of .org Source, a consultancy to associations. Today, my guest is the Irishman Speaks, Connor Kaneen. Connor is the authority on employee relations, leadership development, change management, customer service, and team building. In addition to frequently educating audiences on these topics, he also entertains them with a great sense of humor and a terrific Irish accent. So welcome, Connor. I'm excited to talk with you today. Hey, Sherry, and I'm coming in with that uh, Irish accent. I've actually been working on my Chicago accent for (laughs) 22 years now, but I haven't clinched it yet. Not yet. yet. (laughs) We'll work on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the Irishman Speaks and your background. Right. Well, it's uh, Irishman Speaks is the, the brand. And just to sh- tell you where I actually am uh, right now, I am a keynote speaker and a consultant whose mission is to improve people, performance and productivity with a smile. And in uh, doing that, uh, I speak to associations and corporations to basically uh, leave people with that smile in the face, a spring in the step and some good, actionable takeaways to improve performance or productivity. Uh, How did I get here? I came over about uh, 22, 23 years ago as VP of marketing with a company called the Best Foods, Best Foods Mayonnaise, Hellman's Mayonnaise, you would know them, uh, Mm. particularly their brands. And after a few years when we were taken over by Unilever, stayed with them for a few years. And then uh, we kind of went our separate ways. And since then, I have been uh, working in uh, keynoting, consulting, facilitating. And over the years, from being just a pure food service consultant, I morphed into Irishman Speaks, improving people, performance and productivity with a smile. That's so fun. I know you've spoken at a couple of our conferences. We love having you and... and always have a smile when you're you're at our events. So um, so I'm really excited to talk with you today. Uh, so what has captured your attention lately in the association world? Uh, yeah, that's a good uh, question. You know, I, I think it's the continuing uncertainty, uh, Sherry. I mean, we thought we were out of COVID, uh, then monkeypox is starting to wear its head. Uh, but then the other thing I think that's really frightening people a little bit right now is that even though we're going to events, and most of them, the protocols are reasonably okay. In the southern states, obviously, there's no mask wearing at all. But I think the really frightening thing right now is the level of inflation in travel and entertainment and, and uh, things like that. So, I mean, uh, you know, as well as I do, probably that, I mean, the flights from uh, Chicago down to, let's say, Orlando or over San Diego are more than twice what they were uh, in January. Um, I'm doing an event for the New England Society of Association Executives in a couple of uh, weeks uh, time. And originally that was supposed to happen in June, sorry, in January of this year. It uh, didn't happen. I had booked flights. I'm now looking at rebooking. Well, I've rebooked the flights again. They're about 250% more than they were in January. And I think a lot of uh, members of associations are really looking at, wow, can I justify 
paying $350 for a hotel room that should be maybe $170 or something like that? Can I justify paying $900 to go down to Houston when last year it might have been only $350 or $450 kind of thing? Yeah, that is making it really uh, tough for folks to consider, as you said, flying and traveling to a meeting, especially with um, the uncertainty and then having that added expense, um, which is a, is a big challenge. So you're right. So we've kind of continued to navigate all of these things that are that are happening um, in our world, right? So um, from an association standpoint. Yeah, and I, I think what's happening is that the companies that might have been sending seven or eight people to an event previously, they were dropping it down to maybe five or six, or if the seven or eight go to this event, well, you're not going to the next event that you normally go. So I think it has real potential to reduce numbers by 10, 15% for some of the larger conferences. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, you know, Connor, you often advise leaders to remember the importance of the easy things that um, they might take for granted, such as giving a compliment or saying thank you. So talk to me about that a little bit. Right. Well, when I'm speaking to organizations and associations, uh, Sherry, my basic mantra is that most leaders and most managers cannot substantially improve their employees' net worth. Mm-hmm. They can substantially improve their self-worth. If so, you can't improve net worth significantly. You can improve self-worth significantly. And basically, at the end of the day, when someone is going home, they're not thinking how much I got paid for the, the, the today's work. Um, they know what that salary is, etc. And it's, it just kind of becomes passe after a while. I do think if you can have your employees going home saying, hey, I was appreciated today. I was uh, valued today. I was recognized by my peers or by my boss or customers or something like that. That is actually what motivates me to come into work uh, tomorrow. And that's basically what I mean about uh, self-worth and appreciating and recognizing your colleagues, your team, customers, uh, vendors, everyone that you're actually in touch with. Yeah, I think as everybody gets busy, especially for leaders, um, they forget about that. I know that that I do. and, you know, really being intentional of taking a pause to um, show that appreciation is really important. I, I received a call this morning uh, from a, a customer of ours who was not feeling appreciated um, to the point where they're actually um, going to be leaving the organization. And it has nothing to do with money. Yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with title. It yeah. has nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with feeling unappreciated. Yeah, and she's not he or she is not the only person that'll be doing that today. And uh, I think basically, I mean, people talk about the the great uh, resignation, uh, Sherry, but I I actually think it's the great job change. I mean, the vast majority of people that are resigning are resigning to go to somewhere else. And they're going to somewhere else because, well, they might think they're getting a better salary, but that doesn't appear to be the case uh, in most instances. It's they believe that they're going to get a, a better recognition, better job satisfaction, uh, more uh, appreciated, better work-life balance, etc. And the dollars, um, they are important. I'm not saying they're not. But ultimately, whether you're enjoying your job has really very little to do with the dollars you're taking home, as long as you're getting a, a reasonably fair salary. Yeah, I, I've been talking to folks about that because I've always said it's not necessarily the salary and people will say, well, Sherry, they got 30% more than what we were paying them. I'm like, yeah, but 
maybe they wouldn't have been looking. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so how do we change a culture? And um, we just, I did a, a podcast with uh, Jamie Nodder on culture and, and that was kind of a big discussion too. Like what is your culture and, and how people will, you know, stay around um, uh, because of a good culture. Um, but with that said, you know, when we're interacting with our members, what are the strategies to ensure a great customer experience? I think this goes back to having a very clear idea. I use the phrase, I may have used it at your one of your previous conferences, that what do we want to be famous for? Okay, so I mean, people spend days off, off at vision meetings and we got whiteboards and we got blackboards and we got more whiteboards, etc. We go playing golf, and we come back to more whiteboards again and there's posted notes all over the place. I think a basic question that will really get people to the point is what do we want to be famous for? I.e., what is it within our business sphere we want people to say about us when we're not in the room kind of thing? And if uh, we know that uh, we want to create a uh, we want people to say, wow, that association provides a great member experience. Now, uh, uh, what does that mean? And if you can look at, uh, then identify maybe some uh, avatars of, of members and identify the various kind of interactions and experiences that they are have got and are getting um, and try and audit them objectively, which is not easy. Uh, I think that is the way you actually start looking at it. But ultimately... But, and also goes back, Sherry, I think, to um, I think a lot of companies talk about uh, customer experience and uh, member experience, et cetera. And they talk about once every three months or something like that. I think the customer experience, the member experience should be on every single uh, meeting agenda for uh, lead leaders and anecdotes and illustrations of of what has been happening in terms of customer experience and member experience. I don't necessarily mean that we go and do a um, 1,500 1, member questionnaire and then we look at the results of the questionnaire and say, so we gotta do this. I think you gotta talk about it in qualitative terms and anecdotal terms so that it just gets stuck into the mind every single time we're talking about member experience and then we start paying attention on a daily basis to the member experience. That's a really good advice. Uh, so, um, how do you think the pandemic changed the way that leaders um, should think about employee engagement? I could be cynical and say <laughs> um, that it hasn't changed the way they think about employee engagement for a lot of uh, leaders. It, I, what I would say is that thinking about employee engagement for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it definitely has become a major uh, issue. I think uh, there are organizations that over the years have done a fantastic job in trying to cultivate a great member or association or employee experience. I mean, uh, Richard Branson is probably famous for it. Uh, poor Tony Shea with Zappos. I mean, he tried to create a great member experience as well. And they really invested in that. But it wasn't a, a universal uh, kind of mantra prior to COVID. Since COVID, it obviously has become a, a major one. And I think now what people have got to do is that they've got to be decide, uh, and, and decide is the important warning. They've got to decide that on a daily basis, we're going to do deliberate, intentional, consistent activities to make sure our employees are engaged. And if uh, the CEO and the uh, chief marketing officer or others keep talking about the employee engagement uh, at their presentations, which they will, 
Yeah. And, but they don't do anything on the Monday, the Thursday before that presentation. They're wasting their time. It has to be deliberate, intentional and consistent. So a different, on a kind of a different note, I had mentioned about, you know, I get calls from people who are um, aggravated potentially with their supervisor um, or not very engaged because of various reasons. So I guess when an employee has a challenge with a supervisor, you know, what can they do to keep themselves positive and really improve the situation? Oh, you don't ask easy questions, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've done uh, quite a bit of uh, desk uh, research uh, on this over the, the years, uh, Sherry, and uh, so much of the advice on it, I think, honestly, is quite uh, trite. Um, kind of uh, advice like, uh, well, trying to appreciate what the boss or the manager's mindset is, etc. That's important. Um, uh, try and kind of visualize what they're really looking for. If it's a micromanager, which is probably the biggest mm-hmm. pain in the proverbial for anyone. Uh, I saw one person, I recall one person saying, uh, try and anticipate what they're going to be looking for before they actually try to micromanage you. That isn't how micromanagers are going to be adopted or changed. Um, so uh, and the problem is that we've there's an imbalance. I mean, the theory is we should be able to have a conversation and I express my concern that you're not being fair to me. But you've got the imbalance of a superior and a subordinate kind of thing. But at the same time, though, I do think that uh, simple little things might make a difference. Do you know anything about your boss outside of the work in, uh, environment? Uh, do they have hobbies, family, kids, cats? Are they involved with some association or organization, etc.? Hobby that you could possibly have a conversation with them on that. So you're trying to get away from the uh, pure work environment. And if you can start doing things like that and somehow or another create a way to... Um, engage in just general conversation rather than I want you to do this, I want you to do that, etc. And you're going, yes, yes, yes. The more you can get a conversation going, which I'm not saying is easy. I think that is what I um, was the best way. And that's what I suggest to people. And it works sometimes and it doesn't work other times. Uh, the other option is that in some of the better managed organizations that do offer 360 feedback, et cetera, that do allow you to go up uh, over your, your current sub, uh, supervisor, et cetera, and make complaints. But um, a lot of companies, uh, even if they have that in place, I'm not sure what action they take at the end of the, 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 the day. Yeah, it's, um, it, I've been talking to folks about this remote work environment too. And I think in a lot of cases, people have lost some of that human connection, um, not just because of being behind a screen as we're going from meeting to meeting to task to task. Yeah, We're not spending the time passing in the hall saying, hey, Connor, how was your weekend? That was great. Like we're getting to the meeting, here's a meeting agenda and move on. And for those, so I think it, it is important as you talk about, you know, learning about somebody or opening up a conversation about, things that are going on in their personal lives. Um, so you have more of a connected relationship, even if you're behind the screen, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, one of the, the, the clients I'm working at, at, at the moment, uh, they're in 
uh, food manufacturing and doing a lot of employee engagement work uh, with this uh, client. And they have a large number of supervisors. Uh, they're based in a number of different states around the, the country. Uh, so in the programs I'm doing uh, with them, we might have maybe eight to 11, 12 supervisors in at any of their particular um, sessions. Uh, the first thing I ask uh, people uh, to do is to give us some, one piece of, uh, uh, one, tell us one thing about you that the rest of the room would not know. And it is absolutely amazing how people open up. The first couple of people might be just very, very shy and say, uh, well, uh, I've got, um, uh, I don't know. I, and that's one of the answers you might get some of the time. Yeah. But the next person then will say, well, I've got a, a two-year-old grandkid and she's the apple of my eye. Uh, then someone else might say uh, from across the other side of the room, hey, I've got uh, three grandkids at this stage. Aren't they brilliant? That kind of thing. Uh, but what it does is it allows a conversation to, to start. But what it also does show, Sherry, is that the vast majority of people, when they're working in either fast-paced environments like that of uh, food manufacturing, or actually when we're on these Zoom calls, that we know nothing, as we might say back in Ireland, we know mm -hmm. nothing about the people who are in the room. And if you can, uh, I'm not saying we do it every call, but if you can find some way again to get to know the people in the room just a little bit better, before the meeting starts uh, it will take five minutes probably for that to happen I, I think you will get more engagement more interaction and better uh, when people will start appreciating you again more and you're creating more of a family feel without going uh, totally kind of uh, goofy-eyed about the whole thing yeah so um a different question for you what role does technology play in uh employee engagement and the office culture do, 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 do. Well, I suppose there's two ways of uh, looking at this. I mean, we're doing this uh, Zoom call, and in a lot of ways, um, Zoom, uh, I mean, I really enjoy doing Zoom calls, but I know a lot of people don't uh, enjoy doing uh, Zoom calls. The challenge that we've got when doing business presentations on, on Zoom is that the, the vast majority of people who are on the call are, don't show on video. And uh, I can uh, appreciate that. I kind of just visualize what they're like and I still have good uh, fun and good en engagement with them. I keep calling out for ideas, et cetera. But it does impact the, um, the productivity of the, the, the productivity and the, the learning of the meeting because you know mm -hmm. and I know. Now, I would, uh, if I'm on a call taking some, uh, just uh, on the other end of the, the call, you and I, we would never be multitasking with the video app. We're the only two people in the world that would never be doing that. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. uh, what, we, uh, what are you laughing at? Are you? <laughs> you mean you would multitask with the video off? <laughs> but the problem with that, is, as we all know, is that we're not paying serious attention to the what is being said on the other side of the call. So it, it can be a challenge. I do think that if you've got corporate meetings, um, unless there's a good reason. Uh, you should be asking your team to show on video. When you, you know webinars and things like that for, uh, are, are different, but if you've got a regular weekly meeting or whatever it is, and those people before COVID turned up at the meeting, I think right. the expectation is that they turn up at the, the meeting right now. And you may have a little bit of kickback. Uh, you may have had a little bit of kickback initially, but I think after weeks, two, three or four, people forget that they're on the camera again. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, so kind of, you know, you interact with a variety of organizations and leaders from corporate associations, nonprofits, and 
Um, I'd love to hear what you feel is a what or what's your most important advice that you can give them at this time. Right. I, I'll go back to what I said earlier, Sherry. Uh, for most uh, managers and leaders, unless you're an Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, you cannot significantly improve your employees' net worth. You can significantly improve their self-worth. And I think the employer or the leader or the manager who makes deliberate efforts to make sure that their team is appreciated, is valued, is one who's going to get the best productivity and who's going to get the best response uh, from that team. Now, it does not mean that uh, you kind of uh, just uh, pet them on the head every morning and say, nice doggy, nice doggy kind of thing. I mean, you've got expectations uh, for your your team. But the thing is, if you are seen to be treating your team fairly, um, I think when you're doing that, you can also call them out when there are issues. And this is one of the things that I talk about in my program. I've got a concept I think you have heard it, uh, which is based on just five micro goals that I encourage people to do on a, a daily basis, if possible, um, that spells the acronym CHAP, C-H-A-P-S. And the, the first one, it depends how much time we've got, but I'll give you two of them. Uh, the first one, C is for compliment. And you know that if someone compliments you, you feel better about yourself. I know that if someone compliments me, I go to yoga at 5.30 every Wednesday morning. Sure. That's early. Good for you. <laughs> early. Boy, I'm, I'm spent for the rest of the day. Okay. But uh, there's only six of us in the class. One of the reasons why I keep going to that class is because the yoga teacher is brilliant. Um, she consistently, I mean, I've got the flexibility of a, a plank. Okay. But <laughs> each class, though, she will at least say one thing to me. She, she's just positive to, to me. She might even say something like, Whoa, Connor, you're still standing. But I mean, <laughs> Uh, but seriously, uh, she uh, just uh, every one of the person in the room gets at least one or two compliments each time and makes you feel kind of, again, appreciated. And, you know, I, I'll go back because the next vibe is going to be good as well. The other. So I do say this chap's concept, find reasons to compliment your team. People say to me, uh, Connor, uh, I can't always find ways to compliment my team. And I kind of wonder whether you're the problem then or the team is the problem. But what I do say to people in this situation is that uh, let's say the weekly meeting, and this I think should be on the agenda for each weekly meeting. The question is, what did we do well in the last week? Because what tends to happen at all these meetings is all we do is we kind of uh, uh, just moan and moan and moan and identify all the problems, et cetera. I think if you've got a specific content in that agenda, what did we do well in the last week? Then you as a leader, when um, uh, Mary Lou or uh, Billy Joe uh, mentions what he or she did well, you can actually compliment them in front of the rest of the room and say kudos, well done, etc. cetera. Um, so even if you're not sure what they did do well before they came into the room, if you ask the question, and it's a powerful question that will get conversation going. And the more you get, uh, and ask that question the easier it is to be getting examples from people and what you're then doing is you're going back to one of your questions earlier about the member experience so if you're an association what did we do well in the last week um someone in the finance or something that might uh, give x y or z or something they're called out but what it's doing is it's reinforcing the need for a good member experience etc that's so a great tip first, that would be uh, the first uh, element of the the chaps uh, concept that i speak to the uh, second is about here, thank you. Um, a is about addressing people with their name. 
P is using positive words or phrases with people, and S is about putting a smile in people's face. But if uh, depending on what time we've got, I'd just like to go to A for a moment, which is A for addressing people with their name. And it really has intrigued me over the last couple of years as I've been doing uh, Zoom calls and then we've been working on site in the last maybe four or five months. Uh, one of the things I try to do is I talk about the importance of uh, addressing people with their name because you're making a real connection then, Sherry, with them. But um, what I do, uh, and just one way to illustrate this is that let's say I've got um, the, that client I mentioned earlier where it might have eight or 12 people in the room. Uh, when they come into the room, I'll make sure I greet them personally, get their name, put their name down on a piece of paper on a map I've got in front of me so I know where Sherry is, I know where Kevin is, I know where Connor is, I know where Lourdes is, etc. in the room. And then throughout the session, um, I'll call, I'll say, uh, and Sherry, what do you think? And Kevin, what do you think, etc. And Lourdes, what do you think, etc. And people come up to me afterwards and they say, all right, Connor, I love your concept of chaps. That thing about addressing people with their name, I really get it. But how did you remember all of our names? I mean, I was amazed that you actually called me out and you mentioned called me out by name. That hasn't happened once. That hasn't, hasn't happened twice. It's happened numerous times. And I've got this trick of just writing the names down on a map. Um, but what people are appreciating is that I've called them out by name. And that's one of the things I say to people in organizations. Um, address people with their name. Address your members with their name when you're on phone calls with them, address your vendors with their name, et cetera. And it, it makes a real difference to how people are uh, connecting with the other person in the conversation. That's a, that's a great tip, uh, Connor. So as we wrap up today, I want to kind of go back to, I love your idea or concept of what do I want to be famous for? Um, right. So explain to me how you came up with that idea. Let's just kind of wrap up on that that thought. Oh, uh, you know, I really am not sure how I came up with it. I, I mean, I spent a lot of time on trying to understand uh, visioning and teach uh, visioning and uh, um, where do we want to go from here, etc. And I, sometimes when I, I, I read uh, textbooks or just speak, see some other organizations, the way they do all this vision stuff, um, it is, I mean, I could do a expand a program for four days on vision um but at the end of the day I, I actually think that the question what do i want to be more what do i want to be famous for and we spend a few hours thinking about that will actually get us almost the same place as if you ibm or uh, dell or someone does their four hour uh, four day vision statement um where did it come from i'm not a hundred percent sure where it actually originated from uh, originally but it is kind of unique it's simple um, and what I actually say is not just, uh, or, uh, so what I say is that um, if you as a, a, an executive, a CEO of your organization, I mean, if you uh, answer the question, what do I want to be famous for, you and Kevin answer that question, I think it'll help you to craft your programming even better. Um, but then if you take a, just a regular a member of uh, who's doing administrative work in, the, in a, an association, um, and you ask them, what do I want to be famous for? within my association. So I want to be famous for being, let's say, uh, proactive, uh, accurate, uh, resourceful, something like that. And then I encourage people to just uh, take, pay attention to the words you've written down. I actually say to them, take some of these words and just write them down and put them in with your driver's license. 
So that when you go home at the end of the day, will someone uh, take out my driver's license? Hmm. Will uh, Kevin, Sherry, uh, Connor use any of those three words to describe me uh, today? So it's a powerful question. Uh, it works. Um, and uh, I mean, what I like to try and do, Sherry, is to leave people. I don't rarely use PowerPoint. But what I do like to do is I like to leave people with pictures in the mind and then the kind of mental triggers to help them to remember those pictures and the mental trigger for what do I want to be famous for is just putting a few words into your wallet or driving license so that when you get to the gas station or the next airport, TSA, etc., you'll take them out and you'll say, hmm, oh, I've got some work to do on this activity. So... That's that's fantastic. Um, well, thanks, Connor, for all your great advice. I always love talking to you and, and hearing your insights. And uh, thanks to our listeners today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And Connor, if somebody is interested in engaging you um, to help with their culture or employee engagement, or actually you're a great keynote speaker, how can they get in touch with you? Well, a few ways they can contact Sherry uh, at, at mm -hmm. our community and she will give her the details. And I, I know a very good uh, a testimonial as well. Thank you for that uh, previously. Uh, the brand is Irishman Speaks. Uh, it, uh, website is Irishman Speaks. My email is cc, that easy, cc at irishmanspeaks.com. Um, and uh, I'd love to help people to continue to grow their employee engagement or uh, speak at the conferences, uh, obviously, as well. Fantastic. So to meet uh, leaders like Connor, consider joining .org Community. Uh, .org Community connects you with a vibrant network of association executives and partners. You can learn more about us at www.orgcommunity.com. So thanks so much for joining us today and hope to see everyone soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. .org Source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com or visit www.orgsource.com to find out how to keep your organization on track to Association 4.0.